Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I get the privilege this, this morning of also getting to bring the word to us this morning, and uh, I'm excited, and I'm surprised this morning. I've, I've, there's, there's four gentlemen here today that I used to lead, uh, well, three, I guess, one I co-led with, but from like five years ago, at a, two churches ago, it was, and so that was a, that was a very nice surprise this morning, so I'm glad to see you guys here today. Um, and... Uh, just looking forward to what God has for us for this morning. Um, I'm going to start off by just sharing a story. So when I was in grade, when I was in grade 11, um, it was my last year of competitive hockey, and I was playing high school hockey. And our team was te- absolutely terrible, like absolutely terrible. Um, <clears throat> we did not win one regular season game. Uh, we won... One game in the whole year, and it was for second last place in a tournament. So, and I will just like to say it was very epic. Uh, we were down one with like a minute left. We scored a shorthanded goal to tie the game. And then 1.4 seconds left, we got the game winner. And we were, it was like the Stanley Cup happened. Like we just like, <laughs> and we were going nuts. And it was like after loss, after loss, after loss. And we were just going nuts in the dressing room. We were like, this is going to turn our season around. And it did not turn our season around. <laughs> So we were terrible. That's okay. Um, and, uh, and so the last game of the year, um, we were obviously last place in the standings. And how there was nine teams. And how playoffs worked was top eight teams, or there was eight-team playoff. But the eighth seed and the ninth seed, they played against each other for a play-in to play the first seed. So that's just that's very fun, right? And, uh, and so we're playing this game uh, against the 8th seed. We're the ninth seed. And you know when, like, NHL doesn't really do this, but in, like, the younger years before the game, then the teams, you know, they meet at their net, and the captains will say some pump-up words and all that kind of stuff. And so that, that happens. We do our cheer. And, and my best friend was the goalie. And I remember so after our team, we kind of did our cheer and left, and I stayed back, and I... I told my friend, I said, you know, it's, it's okay if you let a couple goals in tonight. It's okay if you let a couple goals in tonight. And, and he was totally okay with that idea. <laughs> and not because he was a bad, he was a good goalie. He, like, he had so many shots on net that year, it was insane. But we were, we were both just, we were just so done with the year. Um, we were so done, I, I, and I'm like a, I'm a very competitive person. You should see me just, just, just take over at youth night sometimes. Like, it's just crazy. No, but it's, uh, but I'm a very competitive person, and there I was, and I just, I was so done with the year, and I was so sick and tired of it, and my friend was also sick and tired of it. He was done, and we just had nothing left to give. We had nothing left to give. And I was just like, let's just lose, let me just lose this game. Let's just be done. And, of course, like, the game happens, and you get into it, and you, whatever, you juices. And we did, lo- we did lose, thankfully, so that was good. <laughs> but, um, but I had just had nothing left to give, and I just didn't care anymore. And as, for us as a church this morning, um, 
we talk lots here about uh, pursuing the Lord with everything we have and seeking him and surrendering our lives to him. And we're going to continue to talk about that and, and talk about dying to ourselves and all kind of stuff. And we talk about this, but maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're here or you're watching online and you just don't feel it. And you just, you just have no desire to give God your everything. You have no desire to seek him. And you feel this great apathy in your life. You feel like maybe, like there's this resistance in your heart towards the things of God. You feel like you're on empty and you have nothing left to give. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're just constantly wrestling about different things in your life with God. Or even, man, you, maybe you used to be able to hear God's voice, but now you feel like, I just, I don't have confidence. I feel like I can't hear him. You feel weak in your faith. You feel like you don't have any joy in your faith. Maybe you used to have a ton of joy in your faith. You used to be passionate. You used to be zealous. You used to desire all this, but right now, you don't have it. You don't have passion. You don't have joy. You don't have zeal. Maybe sometimes you feel like giving up or quitting. You question God on certain things. You wonder, how long, Lord? How long? You question God's plan for your life. Have, you don't have to raise your hand, but ha, have any of you ever felt this way before in your life? Yeah, have every, and, and I'm sure some of you here this morning are currently feeling that. And maybe some of you are just like, oh, no, no, I'm just on fire, and I'm passionate, and I'm zealous. And that's awesome. Like, please keep on going. But maybe for some of you, 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 you actually don't feel that. And then all this talk of revival, which we should talk about, all this talk of seeking the Lord can almost drive a deeper wedge into your heart. Because you feel guilty that your heart isn't there right now. So you feel this guilt or you feel this shame of like, oh, this, like, oh, man, I want this. But like, oh, my heart, I just, I, but I don't at the same time. And I don't, and just, and you feel bad and almost separates you more from God. And which can lead you to feeling like you're a failure in your faith. Oh, I'm just, like, I just, I'm just a failure. I can never, why is my heart not responding? And you, and you don't want it this way but this is the way it is right now. You know what this is called? This is called the wilderness. This is called the desert. The desert is not a lot of water. Deserts, deserts are hard. Wildernesses are hard. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You could call it the dark night of the soul. You could call it the winter season. Depending on which church tradition you come from, many different names for it. This is a real thing that many believers go through, that many believers go through. I know I have gone through extended periods of this in my life. And there's different reasons that we can feel this way. Maybe something tragic happened 
in your life or something really big happened and it just it drove you to the wilderness. Maybe there's sin in your life that you need to repent of that's, dri- that's driving you there. Maybe the Spirit of God has led you there. It's very common. Uh, in Psalm 69, I think I have it. Just have that. Yeah, Psalm 69. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. This is David, Psalm 69, verse 1 to 5. We're going to flip through a bunch of passages today. So Psalm 61, 1 to 5. This is David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Oh, yeah, good call. That keyboard is about to go through a wilderness season, too, after that. So. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. That sounds a little bit like a desert for David. And so we, I want to look at this idea of wilderness this morning and the biblical view on it and the different, different biblical stories about the wilderness or the desert in our lives. So we're going to start by jumping to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. And it's the story of Sarah and Hagar. And so Genesis chapter 16, uh, verses 1 to, I don't know, uh, what am I going here? Maybe the whole chapter. We'll kind of just see where we go here. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Shouldn't have done that. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. I just want to just point out here, this is not prescriptive, this is descriptive. Of This is a story of their life that God still used, even though it was not his heart. Verse 4, And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power to do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord, this is Hagar fled. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. 
So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. That's what we'll end there. So we have Hagar who flees to the wilderness. And we find out that this angel of the Lord, we're not going to dive into that, but this is, this is God. And God meets her in the wilderness. And, and actually has a, has a promise for her child. And, and it's a powerful encounter, actually, that, that they have with, that God has with, is, with uh, Hagar. So powerful that Hagar responds, you are a God of seeing. You are a God who sees. And the word Ishmael actually means God hears. So here we have Hagar off to the wilderness, and she's fleeing. Like, this is, a, this is not a good situation. And God meets her, sees her, hears her, and profoundly speaks promise over her family as well. We turn to verse uh, chapter twenty, uh, chapter twenty-one, verse eight to twenty. The story continues. And the child, talking about Ishmael, grew. Oh, no, that's not, sorry, that's talking about Isaac. We're going to get to Ishmael. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be her heir, or won't be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because you're a slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And listen to this next verse. I love this. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. Even in the midst of this trial and division, God's like, but I'm going to still bless Ishmael. He's your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Have you ever felt like you're wandering? Ever felt like you're wandering? Feel like you're lost? Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And she sat opposite him. She lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. That is, that's powerful. Hagar goes back off, back off into the wilderness. But now to this point, she runs out of water. She lays Ishmael down in a bush because he's dying, and she doesn't want to see his, her child die. I, can't, I cannot imagine how she is feeling. That is wilderness upon wilderness. And God meets her. 
and God is there, and God provides a way out. He provides for them. He sees them. He hears them. It's powerful. It's powerful. We see other moments in, in the Old Testament. We see Moses, right? Moses is in the wilderness for a long time, and then he encounters God in the burning bush. And it's, it's, a, it's a powerful moment, and he, rece- he receives his calling, his mission, but he's in the wilderness. He's, he used to be someone who was a high up in, in Egypt, and now he's a shepherd. Elijah, Elijah is someone who experienced wilderness in his life. He's on the run for his life after Jezebel says, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to kill you. So Elijah flees to the wilderness. He goes through the wilderness. He ends up at Mount Horeb, which is in the wilderness. And um, that's where actually, that's where Moses was as well. But he ends up in a cave and he's fleeing and he's scared and he's done. Someone wants to kill him. And God meets him. There's one point in that story where God provides food for him, but there's more points where God, in the, in the, in the quiet, in the still, small voice, in the, in the silence, God speaks to him and moves, and he encounters God in the wilderness. The apostle John, he, uh, it doesn't say he's in the wilderness, but he got exiled to the island of Patmos. So it just feels like that's a wilderness situation. Like you're literally exiled to an island. He's probably by himself for most of it. And what happens there? He receives the revelation of revelation, right? Powerful, powerful encounter of God. And he's in, ex- he's in exile. He's in exile. Now, I found something really interesting as I was doing a little bit of study for this this week. Was the, the Hebrew word for wilderness... Uh, can be, uh, is, is, is midbar. That's probably the, like the very, you know, white English man way of saying it. So midbar, okay, whatever, midbar, uh, which means wilderness. And the, the Greek word or the Hebrew word for um, God is speaking or is speaking is metabar. That's how you spell metabar. Okay, that's, that's God is speaking in Hebrew, okay? Now, in the Hebrew language, when, you, uh, when you're writing Hebrew, uh, you do not write the vowels, okay? So, uh, for instance, so midbar, you would write it M-D-B-R. That would be midbar, okay? Metabar is M-D-B-R. Which remember, metabar is God is speaking. Midbar is wilderness. So in a sentence, it would be, in the wilderness, God is speaking. I just found that really profound. That it's the same written, you know, that's how it looks when it's written in the Hebrew language. I mean, that's like, obviously it's got like, that's not the Hebrew language. But like, that's what it would be. It's the same thing. And so in the wilderness... God is speaking. In the wilderness, God is speaking. I thought that was really cool. In New Testament, the Greek word for wilderness is eremos. Okay, eremos. Everybody say that, eremos. 
Okay, so now you're all Greek scholars. So, eremos, okay? And that can mean, that word is used throughout the New Testament, and that can mean wilderness, it can mean desert, it can mean the desolate place, the lonely place, it can mean the quiet place, the solitary place. Okay, there's, it, it's used actually in a whole different, uh, in, in a bunch of different ways, so the eremos. And in the New Testament, when we think of the wilderness, the desert, or eremos, uh, you know, John the Baptist comes to mind. This is different, uh, different John than the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. The prophet who, the voice calling in the wilderness. So he was, he was a man who grew up in the wilderness. In Luke 1, verse 80, uh, it says this. Luke 1, verse 80 and the child grew, this is talking about John the Baptist, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So he lived his life in the Eremos, in the wilderness, uh, in the desert place. And Luke 3 verse 4, right, as I already mentioned, I'll just say it again. Luke 3 verse 4 uh, talks about John the Baptist and the prophet Isaiah says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And so John the Baptist was someone who, who lived there, who, who spent time in the wilderness in his life. And it's very interesting that in Luke chapter 11, we're going to keep just flipping here in the book of Luke, which is the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11. It's very interesting. A couple weeks ago, we, we spent some time in this passage as, as the staff. And all three of us, um, as we discussed it, the same thing jumped out at us. Uh, Check, check. Yes, very good. Obviously, this is important if my mic is dying. Um, so in Luke chapter 11, listen to this. This is uh, when the disciples asked Jesus a question. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, usually what happens is we stop there, and it's a profound thing, right? The disciples ask Jesus, how do we pray? And we stop there, and this, but we miss something when we stop there. The second half of that sentence is this, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So it's interesting. All three of us was like never had really noticed that or like had grabbed us before, but John, and he's talking about John the Baptist here. John the Baptist clearly had a prayer life, right? As, look, look, like, John teaches his disciples to pray. Now, teach us like he does them, because there's something about his prayer life 
And there's something about your prayer life that's different. And there's something about your source of how you do everything that's different. And, um, and so it's interesting. John the Baptist lived his life in the wilderness, in the desert place, in the lonely place. That's why he only ate locusts, because that's all he could find probably was there. Okay? So in the lonely place, that's where John the Baptist spent his time. And, and turn to Matthew 4. Turn to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, and this is about Jesus now, and his interaction with the Aramos, or the desert place. I'm only going to read a couple verses here. I'm not going to read 11 verses. Matthew 4 says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Makes sense to me? And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That he, loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here, here Jesus says that he, he, he just gets baptized, and the Father says, you're my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. Then the Spirit drives him to the wilderness for 40 days. It's all part of his preparation for ministry. Drives him to the wilderness for 40 days, fasts, prays. The enemy comes after him, and the first thing he does, he challenges his identity, if you're the son of God. Well, the Father literally just said it, you know, three verses earlier, that you are the Son of God, you're my son. And then the enemy comes and says, oh, well, if you're the Son of God, then. But here you are, Jesus is in the Aramos. He's in the wilderness. And this is all part of his preparation for ministry. All part of his preparation for ministry. And we won't turn there, but in Luke chapter 5 or 16, it talks about Jesus saying that he would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. That word desolate places, anyone can guess what the Greek word is for that? Aramos, okay? He would, he would regularly leave and go to the Aramos, to the wilderness, to the desert, to the quiet place, the lonely place, and pray. And pray. That was their source. That was John the Baptist's source. That was Jesus' source. And we see in the Old Testament that God met people in the wilderness. And so... What I want to communicate this morning is that the wilderness is a place of encounter with God. The desert is a place of encounter with God. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel it and you feel like I am empty. I am just, I feel dead spiritually. I feel like there's nothing. There's no water. It's just dry land in here. And I, I just, like, I want to encourage us, and my goal is to, is to, is to that the, the Lord would build faith in us this morning that in that season, that there is an encounter with God that he wants for you, that he wants to give you. And it doesn't necessarily happen right away. It could happen right away. In the wilderness, we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament is a place of power and encounter with God. The wilderness is often a place of pruning. Maybe you're in that season 
I, I believe if you're in that season, God wants to prune you. He is pruning you. And he wants to do something fresh in your life. Maybe you're, you need to repent of sin. Repentance often can lead to an encounter or a refreshing with, of God, a refreshment by his spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd build faith in us this morning. That you'd build faith as we're in the wilderness. Maybe some of us are in the wilderness this morning, Lord. Would you build faith as we read your word that actually these are seasons where you can meet us in a new way. And that there is a, a, a greater fullness with you in these seasons, Lord. Out of these seasons. Out of these seasons. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, we were living at uh, John and Neoma Green's uh, yard and their house. Well, not, we weren't living on their yard. They didn't kick us out to a tent. Uh, and they were living in their basement. And, uh, and while well, we were transitioning between apartment and our house. And, uh, and so, if you don't know John and Neoma, Neoma was singing this morning. Um, and I remember one day I was walking around their yard and, uh, and I was just, I was feeling this. I was just, I felt no desire, no anything. I just felt like no connection to the Lord, anything like that. And I remember I was pacing and I just, I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm here. I made it. I did my part, and I, I was like, it was pretty bold, and I, and I, and I believe, I believe that the Psalms show us that we have permission to be bold with the Lord. And I was just like, Lord, I'm here. Like I made, I did my, I, I made it. I did my responsibility. I got myself to this place. Please fill me. Now this is, does not happen every single time, but He filled me. And he totally changed that prayer time. He totally changed how I was feeling. He changed situation in life is the same, but like he he changed how I was doing with him in that moment, my connection to him. But it was it was a it was a moment of me just getting by myself with the Lord. And so maybe you're here today and you're feeling the wilderness, you're feeling the desert. And I want to encourage you to be like John the Baptist and to be like Jesus and to get to the quiet place, to get to the quiet place. And maybe you're like, I don't want to. That's literally part of this whole season is I don't want to do that. And that's the part of faith where we have faith and say, but Lord, I know, I know, Lord, that you meet people when they flee to the wilderness. You meet people when they go up that mountain by themselves. You meet people when they open your word and they say, Lord, I need you. You meet people in that. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. And it might take all your strength, 
to be like, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to run there. I'm still going to go there because I believe that God is going to meet me. And you know what? It might not be this massive moment the first time or the fourth time or the 17th time or the 40th time. But in faith, you keep on going. And you keep on running there. And you keep or crawling there or whatever it takes to get to that place. Because if we believe, if we believe that there is a God out there who has spoke the world into existence, if we believe that there's a God out there who sent his son to come as a man to die on a cross for us because he's crazy about us, if we believe that, and then he says, and his invitation is, you just, you just come to me. Come to me. And if we believe that there is a God who is out there that actually wants to fellowship with us, in faith, let us continually get there. Let us continually go, even when it feels like I got nothing, or last time this happened, nothing happened. And that, the time before that, nothing happened. And the time before that, nothing happened. And trusting in his word when it says in John 15 that every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit, I take away, or the Father takes away, and every branch that does, I prune it so that it may bear more fruit. Trusting that the Lord is doing a work in our lives even when we do not feel it. Even when we do not feel it. So just a practical, a practical finish here. Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm into this. I want this. I want to, I need to get out of this funk. I need to grow my walk with the Lord. And, and one of the only, only, roles we have is just to get before him. That's our responsibility. We just got to get there. He does, he does the rest. We just got to get there. So some practical things here for prayer. So number one, maybe you're like, I don't, know how, I don't know how to pray. I have no idea how to pray. I don't know how to connect with God. I want to. I want to do this. I have no idea. Come to our prayer nights. Um, they're simple and they're guided and they teach Part of it is teaching you how to pray. Exactly this, teaching you how to pray. Teaching you how to connect with God and the Word, and, and it's, it's, it's super simple, and then you pray together with other people, but you have like a list of things. Like, it's just like, pray this, pray this, pray this. Like, it's very much like a, our prayer time here. Uh, and it's, it's very, very encouraging. And so, and, and so if maybe that's something for you. Prayer night. Maybe another practical thing is it's, it's really hard to pray and this feels like this feels super unspiritual, but it, it actually is like it feels really hard to pray if you don't know what you're praying. So even like making a prayer list, having a prayer list is a super simple way. When you get to that prayer time, you're like, okay, I'm here. Oh, a prayer list. I can like engage with the Lord in this prayer list. It doesn't have to be like I'm just gotta wait until the Lord gives me a download what to pray, which is great. But sometimes we just need a prayer list to pray. Um, if you have a, like, 
I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm like, I'm just going to pray whenever I feel like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually having a schedule or a rhythm of prayer, a rhythm of prayer is actually really important. And, and, uh, and so if you have a rhythm, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to pray for three hours every day. You know, it could be like, I'm going to take two pauses during my day today, 10 minutes to pray. It could be in the morning, it could be on my lunch break, when my kids have a quiet time, when you're driving to work, before bed, whatever. It can be simple, okay? But finding some kind of rhythm of prayer in your life. You're much more likely to pray if you have a set rhythm or schedule that you pray. Some people are able to do just whenever you're into it. But I think for most people, actually having some kind of structure helps. Uh, another super simple practical thing, which is something that I've been doing actually quite a bit lately, which I've never really done before in my life, but it's been super helpful. Um, we're all like super techie, right, in 2023. So there's like apps that like are like prayer apps. And they like lead you through prayer and lead you through connecting with God and scripture and all that kind of stuff. And and so maybe that's something for you, getting some kind of app or, or like a devotional to help you to like stir prayer in your life. Okay, that could be something. I, I have this app that I've been listening to. I just kind of put it on my steering wheel and then it like it guides me as I drive and I'm, I'm connecting with the Lord. And, and actually several of, several of um, what I've talked about today just came from those short drives that I had in this prayer app was actually just guiding me, and it was like I felt like the Lord was directing me, um, which was wonderful. Um, and finally, if you don't know what to pray, pray the Psalms. It's a book of prayer. It's a book of prayer. I remember um, this was, uh, how many years ago? It was 2016, and for Bible school, we were doing a, a four-month media fast, and, and I remember... Uh, thinking to myself the first night, I was like, what on earth am I going to do with my time? And, and, uh, and I had thought, I'm like, well, I guess I should probably read my Bible or something. Like, that's kind of what the point of this is. Like, super, like, that just sounds super unspiritual. And that's just, I was feeling something. Like, okay, whatever. And then I remember, oh, one time I prayed the Psalms. So I'm just going to do that today. And Carrie was gone for some reason, so I was home alone. And so I opened the book opened the Psalms, and I just, I, I don't know, spent like an hour in about five or six Psalms praying them. And, man, like the Lord met me powerfully. And I didn't come up with any of those words. But I was praying the prayers of Scripture. Those are in prayers that Jesus would have prayed. And throughout church history, that's prayed. So pray Scripture. Pray the Psalms. If, you, if you're just like so tired, but you know you want to pray, Find something to help you pray. Find something to help you engage with the Lord. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Sometimes I need to hear that. Keep it simple, stupid. I, I need to hear that sometimes. That's, that's, uh, that's actually that's a good word for me, actually. Um, so oh, what we're going to do is we're going to finish off. I'm going to read us. Um, a psalm. And now I'm actually just going to invite you to not open your, your Bible to it, but actually just to close your eyes. 
And I'm going to read this as Psalm. And after I'm done, then the worship room can come up, but after I'm done. Um, so maybe you're here and you're in the wilderness. Psalm 63, I'll read what it says here. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So my prayer, my heart, is that the Lord ministers to your heart in this moment as we reflect and meditate on Psalm 63. And that this would be your prayer, regardless of the season that you're in, that this would be your heart cry. Psalm 63, here we go. Holy Spirit, would you come? Verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Lord, may this be true of our hearts, cry, even in the wilderness season. Got the worship team to come up. Father, we need you. We need you, Lord. And I pray for those of us in this room watching online right now, maybe in the simulcast, or those who are feeling empty, feeling dry, feeling weary, feeling like they're in the desert. Lord, we come to you and we ask that you would pour out living water in our hearts in our minds, and our souls. God, would you pour out, Lord, we need you. Father, I pray that you would give strength and endurance to those who are in that season. Strength to run to you, to not resist you, but God, to come to you and surrender and hope and faith. And Lord, we actually, we want to believe that you meet us in those places, as your word shows that you have done before. So, God, we want to say, we want to have faith. Lord, help our unbelief. Give us faith, God, for this. Lord, I thank you. And for those of us in this room, online, and simulcast, God, for those of us who feel like we're in the garden, feel like we're just on we are 
pursuing you and loving it and hungry and, and want you, Lord. Sustain that in us, God. Sustain that in those who are feeling that, who are, who are passionate. Sustain that, God, and, and increase that in their lives. Increase that, God. And so we thank you that you shepherd us, each of us, you shepherd us. And that you take us beside still waters and green pastures. And that even in the valley of the shadow of death, that you prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. So even in the valley, they can see us feasting. So Lord, would we feast on you? Each one of us, God, help us to take steps into growing this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.